This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 200. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 200 we catch up with movies 11 through 20 of my 31 of October. That's right, another 10 movies down in our 31 day challenge and we will see if we're having much better luck than we had in the first 10 where the hit to shit ratio was certainly kind of swinging more towards the shit than it was towards the hit. So yeah, that is what we're doing on this episode. You're going to get 10 mini reviews of the movies that I have covered. Now, I've swapped my list around a little bit, uh, mostly because I had Zombieland coming out in a day where Zombieland was not out. So yeah, that changed things around. And to be honest, I've kind of reworked the end of my list as well, just because I was starting to get depressed with the sheer amount of movies that were not floating my boat. So I've stacked things up, made some substitutions, and I'll be honest with you, what I've seen thus far is making me fucking happy, very happy indeed. So much so that on our recap for movies 21 through 31, you will hear me gush over movie number 21, which blew my tits clean off. And it wasn't originally on my list, so sometimes changing things up and mixing things around will only benefit you in the long run. But I digress, of course. Right, so let's just get into this. I need to fire through this episode because there's plenty of content coming your way this week, ladies and gents. So you're going to hear promos for shows that I love. And then, when I return, you're going to hear the trailer for movie number 11. And we're going to get into the reviews of movies 11 through 20 of the 31 of October. Selected by podcast under the stairs coming right up right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com. The Psychosemantic Podcast. This cannot be ignored. We just want to leave. 
you want to see my face? And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for what was movie number 11 on my 31 of October list. This is Haunt from 2019, written and directed, well, co-written and co-directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Uh, the movie itself, according to IMDb, stars Kate Stevens, Will Britton, uh, Laura, Laurie, L- Lauren, Alicia Mc- McLean. That's just a whole hell of a lot of things that look interestingly spelled and my mouth can't speak them. Uh, Andrew Caldwell, um, Philip Johnson Richardson, which is just like, what is happening here? Cheney Morrow. This has been designed to fuck me up, hasn't it? Put our whole cast list together and it was in the casting chair and they were like that, right? What is your name though? Is it complicated? Is it a bit of a tongue twister? Will it fuck Duncan's face? Yes, then put them in. Uh, and Justin Rose and other folks. Um, synopsis for this one is, on Halloween, the group of friends encounter an extreme haunt house that promises to feed on their darkest fears. The night turns deadly as he soon come to the horrifying realisation that some nightmares are real. Um, so this one was actually pretty good, if I'm honest. Uh, I think what I... I didn't actually, from the poster artwork, expect much from this at all, if I'm honest. I thought it looked pretty shitty. Um, And I was very wary that haunted attractions have not been well received with me in the past. Outside something like Hell House LLC, I'm not the biggest fan. I think that they tend to run their course pretty quickly and then when that happens, my interest switches off. But what I quite liked about Haunt is the fact that even though I didn't necessarily enjoy the characters, none of them are likeable at all, um, I did think the design of the haunted house attraction was kind of cool. I liked the design of the masks on the people themselves and they put this really interesting twist. The way I described it is it was kind of like what they do with, um, like, in gangs, if you want to join a gang, certain gangs will make you earn your stripes by committing a robbery, killing someone. Um, in the case of this one, the premise being put on earning your mask, I thought was a really cool idea. I'm assuming that's what they were going for. It's never really explicitly detailed out, but if that is the case, I thought that was handled really quite interesting and something I've never seen really done anywhere outside something like a movie like Nightbreed where you know the the people that are killers or evil people that want to get into Midian can release what their their real face is, their their monstrous face. Um, but Haunt was well shot, some of the practical effects were really good, some of the other effects were maybe not so much. I think the movie was probably perfectly lengthed and directed well. It doesn't really bring anything new to the genre, if I'm honest, but what it did do was stick to a watchable runtime and deliver pretty much what you need to do. I thought the ending was a bit pish, if I'm honest. Um, and to be honest with you, the ending was more, more the kind of, well, here's the empowering happy ending question mark. But to me, it felt a bit cliched. I kind of felt like I'd seen it before. And everything else in the movie was kind of expanding on things that I felt felt a bit more refreshing and a bit newer. So yeah, overall, like I gave Haunt a three out of five. I liked it. I did like it. Will I ever return and watch it again? Maybe sometime. It's definitely more an October movie. Um, I would say that it's better than movies like Hellfest, for example, which seem to get quite a bit of love. 
Uh, I think this one has maybe more staying power behind it. But yeah, Haunt's a decent little movie to watch about this time of year. If you have some normie friends who don't usually watch horror movies, I imagine this is going to get quite a reaction from them. If you're a hardened seasoned hardcore veteran of the horror genre, then Haunt is an interesting kind of small little movie to be honest doesn't really do anything new but doesn't do anything offensive either while it's at it three out of five on my letterbox review i said one of the better haunted attraction movies i've seen in a while with some cool central premises and a and with a gang getting their stripes as a twist that i enjoyed sadly there was a little in the way of likable characters and the ending was a bit of a letdown Good practical effects and great runtime saved this movie overall, and I stand by what I said there. My opinion has not changed in hindsight since October the 11th. So there we go, that is our first review, and that is Haunt. From Haunt, we then tackled Boar. Listen to the trailer, my mini review coming up right after this. And welcome back, so you've just heard the trailer for Boar from 2017. It made its way over onto Shudder though towards the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 I believe. Um, so technically 2019 movie for me as it only became available at that point. Uh, this is an Australian horror movie, one of the more goofier ones, but to be honest I did have a bit of a ball with this one. It's directed by Chris Sun, uh, based on the story by Kirsty Dallas and edited by Chris Sun. Um, we have Bill Mosley, Nathan Jones, John Jarrett, Hugh Sheridan, Steve Bisley, Chris Haywood, Roger Ward, Simone Buchanan, Ernie Dingo, Madeline Kennedy, some other folks in here, but some genre names that are worth mentioning with your Nathan Jones and your uh, definitely your John Jarrett, your Bill Mosley. Um, Boar is like it sounds, the synopsis will help me define that a bit better. It says, in the harsh yet beautiful Australian outback lives a beast, an animal of staggering size with a ruthless need for blood and destruction. It cares for none defends its territory with brutal force and kills with a raw animalistic savagery unlike any have seen before. So this is about a giant feral boar, a giant pig basically. So this is the giant tusked pig movie that you did not know you wanted to see but I can tell you right now you should see it. This one was a bit of a blast if I'm honest really refreshing and a lot of ways this movie follows exactly the same beats I mean almost right down to exactly when the monster shows up but exactly the same beats as a movie like Tremors and that's kind of where I kind of lean into this one if you like a movie like Tremors you will enjoy a movie like Boar there's no way you won't um, the creature effects are a mix of practical and CGI and that is done surprisingly well they're done kind of seamless the movie itself kind of switches between comedic tones 
to slightly darker tones. There's a bit of drama in there, not too much in the film. Definitely doesn't take itself too seriously, but gets gnarly when it needs to. Uh, some of the death scenes in this movie are absolutely fucking wicked. The sort of stuff that, if you're a horror fan or you like animals run amok movies, Boar will deliver for you, ladies and gents. It will put it on a plate and serve it for you, steaming hot. Um, and with that, I mean, there's a bit of TNA for you, if you know what I mean. Um, some silly premises which, I mean, are set up and concluded satisfyingly. But for the most part, it's about an hour and 25 minutes long and moves at a whip. This movie gets in, gets the job done and gets the fuck out of Dodge. The shots of the boar creature that you do get to see are actually really impressive. And like I say, that mixture of CGI and um, practical I think works really well in its favour. And yeah, there was a couple of shocking bits in it as well where I was like, oh no, not that kind of, Like characters that they set up that you actually, unlike some other horror movies we've discussed in this one, you actually enjoy their presence. You find them as nice, but you kind of hope and root for them that nothing bad will happen to them and this movie will very quickly stomp on them uh, in a very mean, almost George R. R. Martin sort of way. Well, that, oh, you like this guy? Fuck this guy. There you are. What do you like? Do you like this guy now? Fuck this guy now. We gotta be saying that. Oh, oh, you want? Do you like this guy? Fuck this guy as well. Uh, it's kind of brutal that way, but in a way that I deeply, deeply enjoyed. Um, I gave it four out of five stars. Really liked this one. This is definitely a must revisit somewhere down the line for sure. Um, I imagine this could be a regular when I do a little. I go through little phases of watching kind of animals run amok movies. Boar is definitely one of those ones that would easily slot into there. And with it being on Shudder, there's no excuse not to watch it, ladies and gents. My letterboxed mini review was this movie is so much fucking fun. Essential follows most of the beats of Tremors, the effects and acting and story are all pleasing. It knows how long to be and ends strong as well. Four out of Five. Totally agree with that. My opinions have not changed. They sometimes do. Sometimes a couple of days later I'm like that. Did I give did I give that one maybe half a star too much? Did I give it a star less than it should have been? And I'm happy with this one. This is one that you should definitely go and check out. So that was Boar, available on Shudder. Right, so let's go into the next movie and keep this party train running. This one was available exclusively, exclusively on Netflix. This is a new movie by Sion Sono and you're going to hear the trailer for Forest of Love. I'm going to be right back to discuss it right after this. Ah, Tsuko. I'm Joe Murata. Marry me. I can't be. I know him. That's a really bad guy. Bad, bad guy? guy? Mr. Murata's custom shock stick. Life for me is a huge joke, right? You do what you like? <laughs> Thanks for coming to see me today. I'm Joe Murata! Itsuko! Stay away from the man I love! Hey friend, what's your name? Uh, I'm Shin. Ah. Jay, isn't it amazing we get to shoot a film here? We're making a movie about your pain. A movie about Joe Murata. I know, because I'm playing him. Your fiance is a murderer. Check it out! Know anyone we could hit up for cash? Huh? We just finished this one. 50 billion yen. Hey! Hey! 
It's nice to be able to die. Such a lovely day. Mitsuko, come join me here. And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for our third movie. This is Forest of Love from 2019, exclusively available on Netflix in the UK. I want to say it's available everywhere for Netflix, but who knows? I actually think this may have been financed by Netflix, and if that is the case, then dear God, what weird apocalypse we living in where Netflix money is funneling into the hands of Sion Sono, eh, who both wrote and directed this movie. Now, Sion Sono, you, if you don't know who he is, then let's just put it this way, he is a, a provocateur of art, house, kind of, cinema, in Japan. His stuff is challenging at times, absurd, totally weird, sometimes all over the place, uh, other times deeply dark and disturbing, and he does it effortlessly. He's a filmmaker that has been on my radar and one that I've enjoyed watching for, for several years now. So, um, And yeah, this is his new movie and my brain could not contain his excitement for being shooken up. So, like, watching a Sion Sono movie is like taking your brain out, putting a washing machine on spin cycle and then putting it back in where it's kind of clean but it's shook up in such a way that it'll take a couple of minutes to re-gravitate its, its position to where you are and what the fuck you just watched. And that's kind of where the forest of love comes in. Um, the movie stars a lot of Japanese people whose names I won't butcher, so let's just go straight to the synopsis. It says, Two women are filmed by a con man and his documentary crew who uncover dark secrets. Forest of Love is kind of like, in a lot of respects, first thing I'll say is it's not really a horror movie, so that's my bad there. I kind of thought it was going to be, because Sono has done, like if you watch a movie like Coldfish, for example, or XD, there's definitely horror elements that run through his back catalogue, Suicide Circle, for example. Um, and I just assumed that this was going to be a horror movie. I'd, you know, I had all but said, well, this is horror, surely. And then when I got about halfway through it, I was like, well, yeah, there's a bit of gore and violence in here, but it's not really a horror movie. And by the end of it, I was totally convinced it wasn't. It certainly got criminal elements in here, a bit of drama as well, a bit of melodrama for the, the fans of Japanese cinema. Um, and certainly that absurdist, comedic, dark tone that has followed pretty much all Sion Sono's work, or certainly all the work that I have seen in the time that I've been a fan. Forest of Love is a really interesting one, I think, have you, if you're in a position where you haven't seen much by Sono, this is a great kind of gateway into his work, because he really is just doing a highlight reel of his greatest hits in this movie. He touches on a lot of bases, things from Cold Fish, for example, from Suicide Circle, um, right through to some of the more bizarre stuff, a little bit XD in there as well, not with any killer extensions by any stretch of the imagination but some of the way it's shot as well it's kind of pulpy it's loud it's brash it's stylish and it's long um, which feels weird to say this this is by any stretch of the imagination this is about a standard length solo movie at two and a half hours but because nothing in here was remarkable or surprising to me like a lot of his works had this is maybe the first time that I've actually felt the length of a Sono movie, which is weird to say. Um, I think it was mostly because I kept waiting to for the thing to land that I'd be like, oh, he's done it again, he's blown my mind with this. 
visual idea or this bit of storytelling and he doesn't really do that if anything like I say before he's almost giving you a Rosetta Stone to his catalogue of work which I think if you're going to do something for Netflix that maybe makes sense because off the back of this if you enjoyed Forest Lord and let's be honest there's plenty in here to enjoy there's a plethora a plethora of different movies by this director out there that you can get your hands on now um, Third Window Distribution which is technically owned by Arrow have a ton of his shit. I own a lot of it now just purely because they do justice to Asian horror cinema and just Asian cinema in general. But um, Forest of Love, it was an interesting story, it was an interesting concept. I love how it kind of flipped things a little bit. It certainly starts with the premise that you kind of know who the serial killer might be and then it plays with that all the way through the movie. And it's this idea of this kind of con man kind of getting in over his head just a little bit that way that you hear of cult leaders doing very similar things it's that sort of idea um, the acting's really good in it I, I enjoyed a lot of it some of the practical effects are bitching some of the death sequences are gruesome some of it is completely over the top and absurd as well but like I say we are watching and reviewing a Sion Sono movie and that might not mean much to you if you've not seen one before you know when you have, trust me, you'll see what I mean. Um, yeah, like I say, not a horror movie though, which kind of felt like I was misleading anyone that sat down to watch this. I gave it a three and a half out of five, uh, mostly because, like I say, it's really well put together, it's really well done, but the length, for whatever reason, just really stuck with me as a negative on this one. Um, on Letterboxd, I said, certainly not top tier Sono, but absolutely not tame at all for Netflix. Sono is almost playing out a greatest hits in this movie of themes and ideas explored in his other movies. Sadly, this runtime, unlike other Sono projects, seems to have affected my viewing. Still worthy of his catalogue of madness and just maybe not to the standard of most of his challenging work, three and a half stars out of five. I stick with that. Um, I've thought about this one quite a few times since watching and it'll be interesting to go back somewhere down the road and check it out again and see if my opinion changes at all, whether I like it or dislike it, uh, more than my current position is. But I think a three and a half is fitting for the movie nonetheless. Which brings us to our next one. This one was an addition right in here, also on Netflix, from a director that I deeply, deeply, deeply love. This is from the great Jim Mickle, and it's In the Shadow of the Moon. I'll be right back to discuss it right after the trailer. Shift too much, Dad. It's like a puncture one. Boys across town just caught two more bodies. Said both had some kind of mark on their neck. Get three random victims with the times of death and minutes apart. Bodies are miles apart. How's that work? Suspect heading west across Liberty. Hello, Thomas. What'd you say? Is this where it happens? Detective Lockhart, yes, hello. What do you mean it's happening again? You guys gotta see this. Philly PD. You've seen this woman. 
Nice to see you again. She gets torn apart by a train, and nine years later, she's back. She is priority number one for all law enforcement agencies. You have to stop chasing me. I'm doing all this for a reason. We're all going forward, but her. She's going backward. You have no idea what's coming. If you kill me now, the world as you know it will end. Welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for our next movie review. This is In the Shadow of the Moon. Um, this one directed by Jim Mickle, based on the work by Gregory Weidman and Jeffrey Talk. Uh, the movie itself stars Boyd Holbrook, Cleopatra Coleman, Bokeem Woodbine, Michael C. Hall, Rudy, with a surname that I can't Perhaps and won't try. Uh, Al Manny, Quincy Kirkwood, Sarah Dougal, and some other folks in here. Synopsis for this one is a Philadelphia police officer struggles with a lifelong obsession to track down a mysterious serial killer whose crimes defy explanation. So this one, once again, kind of was pivoted from Netflix as if it was going to be a horror movie. Certainly the way they marketed it, you know, this is the one that's kicking it all off in October. And I sat down and watched it, and I know why you might think it is. Uh, certainly the movie hypothesizes in the first five minutes something of a more supernatural monster bent, but I can assure you whilst watching this movie, it is more a mystery kind of sci-fi movie than it is ever a horror movie. That being said, since we already had The Forest of Love, it's worthwhile chatting about this one, and the fact that Jim Mickle is behind the camera makes me very happy. I am a fucking lifetime Mickle fan. You should know that. We've had Mickle Mania on here before. We've reviewed every single movie the man has put out, right back from the humble roots where he began dealing with zombies through things like Stakeland, right up to uh, We Are What We Are, and even something like uh, that crime movie, which is now escaping me, Oh, fuck. I'll come back to me. Uh, with Michael C. Hall in it, which, you know, I just absolutely adored as well. He's been off doing some TV stuff, which is fine. That's that Happen Leonard show, which I think did quite well. And now he's returned back to making movies. And he's obviously been wowed by some Netflix cash because this felt like it had budget. And he delivered, I will say, a really fucking good movie. I really enjoyed this one. It plays with ideas of, you know, stories being told over set periods of time. I think it's like nine years apart between each cycle. And this idea of a serial killer that seems to know more than what your average serial killer would know. Like, too much information on every single encounter. And the fact that no one is going to take this guy seriously, they all think he's starting to lose it. It gets a bit sappy towards the end, for sure, and maybe starts to lose a bit of your conventional sort of narrative in a way where, like, for example, I saw the ending coming about halfway through this. Uh, maybe not the full extent, but kind of the full extent. Uh, but it didn't diminish anything uh, from my point of view. I have read some reviews online where people like that, well, it's either the ending is too 
silly for them or it was so telegraphed that they you know they couldn't get over it to be honest i just enjoyed the journey i I think he is a great director i think the cast are doing really well with it i like the way the story unfolds the stuff in the background becomes more prominent there's certainly clues all the way through the movie that are worthwhile checking out for if you get a chance and like a central performance by albrook who like is really good in this one i never really rated him much as an actor before, some of the action set pieces are brilliant. Always great seeing Michael C. Hall in absolutely anything. Um, I adore him from the days of Dexter and Six Feet Under and will watch once again anything he's in, including dodgy British like crime dramas that were on Netflix. God knows what the name of that show was, but it wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, I watch him in absolutely anything. And he was good in this one. He was playing against typecast, which I think he's he's good at doing. Someone a bit more, a, a bit less intelligent and a bit more opportunistic. And I think he land, landed it perfectly, if I'm honest. So yeah, um, In the Shadow of the Moon is nothing groundbreaking. Interestingly enough, what I am going to do is I'm going to link it into a future so, show. So this is going to get a full length review. Uh, I'm just locking it to play some details, but it will be an episode based on time travelling horror, and I will say no more about that. Uh, I gave it 4 out of 5, really liked this one, will revisit again with my wife, I think she'll dig it quite a bit. Uh, my letterbox review said, Whilst light on horror, Mickle delivers a great sci-fi mystery for Netflix. He really is one of the most underrated directors around, and this movie showcases what the man can do with a budget. On to the next project, and hopefully it's a bit more horror in its themes. And I stand by that. I, I love it when the guy goes off and does other things, but I hope he just never forgets the genre that he is most beloved and where he did most of his cool shit, man, honestly. So there we go. That is In the Shadow of the Moon. It got four out of five from me, which means we're moving on to the next review, uh, oh yeah, goody. Wait till, wait till this run of interesting examples of quote-unquote cinema. Uh, up next is the Banana Splits movie. So ridiculous that I even struggled to say it there. Banana Splits movie. You're going to hear the trailer for it when we come back. We're discussing it right after this. Going to the banana splits. Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the banana splits? Yeah! Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hey, kids, put on your ha- happiest faces. Because the Banana Split Show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Dad, please! Let me out! Now the show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fuzzy son of a... I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect. We're gonna have so much fun! And you just heard the trailer for the Banana Splits movie. Boy, oh boy. It's a sentence I never thought I would ever have to see. Um, So, (laughs) this one is directed by 
Danishka Esterhazy, I think is how you pronounce that, probably isn't, so I do apologise, based on the writing of Jed Elinoff and Scott Thomas. The movie stars Danny Kind, Steve Lund, Selena Martin, Finlay Waltak Hissong, Sarah Keening, Romeo Carrari, Maria Nash, some other folks. Let's just get into this. The synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as a boy named Harley and his family, brother Austin, mother Beth and father Mitch, attend the taping of the Banana Splits TV show, which is supposed to be a fun-filled birthday for young Harley and business as usual for Rebecca, the producer of the series. But things take an unexpected turn and the body count quickly rises. Can Harley, his mum and their new pals escape to safety? Um, this is this is a frustrating fucking watch because I was really looking forward to this. I like my goofy horror movies every now and again, especially in my 31. I like flinging in a wee goofy horror movie. The reason behind that throwing in of a wee goofy horror movie is that I tend to load them with a lot of headier contents. I need a little break, a little bit cinematic sorbet to clean off the taste palette. Um, and this one looked goofy and it looked silly and the trailer looked absurd and it looked like it was going to be full of practical effects and just nonsense. And I was looking forward to that. And then I sat down and watched it and I realised that what I had hoped for was kind of delivered but I didn't want to see it. Um, and yeah, I imagine there is a fan base for this movie out there and that is great. If you enjoyed this movie, then more power to you. I am happy that you enjoyed this movie. This to me fell flat. I mean, that was the big issue. I just didn't find any of it fun. It just all fell flat. So we're in the same year you have a movie like Child's Play, which has, you know, psychotic animatronic robot killing people and getting involved. When I have that, that to me is a ball of fun. That's exactly what I wanted the Banana Splits movie to be. And the Banana Splits movie, one, doesn't have the budget, and two, just doesn't have the writing or the acting. The actors in this movie are pretty fucking hellish. Um, the practical effects, while interesting, didn't do anything for me. I didn't feel myself giddy, kind of clapping my hands together when the blood started coming out. It just all fit, felt sterile and flat. And like someone had a really good idea, but didn't really know how to invoke it into practice. Um, I know they've been talking about this Five Night of Freddy's thing for a while now, like the movie adaptation version of it, and it looks like the Banana Splits movies just jumped in to do it. If they are going to do that Five Night at Freddy's movie, please watch the Banana Splits movie and take away examples of what not to do in your project, because it has a lot of them in here. It just doesn't have the tone, it doesn't have the fun for me. I'm saying that I know some of the listeners to the show did enjoy this one, I just didn't. I thought it was pretty banal and kind of beige, which you don't want from a movie called the Banana Splits movie. You want it to be a bit more rowdy and a bit more punchy and it, just didn't, it didn't deliver for me at all. Um, my letterboxed grade was 2 out of 5 for this one and my review said the novel wore off pretty quick for me in this viewing. I wasn't expecting much in fairness but even its goofy practical effects felt pretty flat. I'm sure it will have its fans out there in the world, uh, but where we have Child's Play delivering a ton of practical gore and robotics run amok, this movie felt very, very cheap in comparison. So there we go, the Banana Splits movie. So I was like that, we need something that's going to raise the bar. Let's turn ourselves to, you know, a bit of survivalism horror. That always has a place for me, nice and bleak, 
and drab. Um, let's do Rust Creek next, and you will see how bad a decision that was uh, after you hear the trailer right now. Turn left. Ain't this heinous? You need some help there, miss? I'm on my way to DC. These woods, they can be a crazy place. Come on, it's go, I promise I won't tell anyone anything. You wouldn't make it a hundred yards to shape you're in. The driver's name is Sawyer Scott. Nobody seems to know where she's at. Some girl went missing up here a couple days ago. I ain't seen no girl. Uh, I'll take you someplace safe. Uh, My wife used to say, everyone we meet's a chemical reaction. They change us and we change them. Inside. And if there's trouble, Run. Stay the hell away from me. Whatever you're into, you're gonna have to answer for it. Okay, okay, welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for Rust Creek. Um, this one is directed by Jen McGowan, written and based on the story by Stu Pollard and adapted by Julie Lipson. The movie stars Hermione Corfield, Denise De Dalvera, uh, Jeremy Glazer, Laura Guzman, Mika Hauptman, Daniel R. Hill, John Marshall Jones, uh, Jake Kidwell, Sean O'Brien, some other folks. Synopsis for this one is he overachieving college student gets lost on her way to a job interview. A wrong turn leaves her stranded deep in the Kentucky forest. So yeah, I, like this one has so much promise for me because I enjoy movies that do this sort of thing. You know, character gets lost in outback area or wooded area or hillbilly territory and is picked off by evil men because men are evil. Um, and have to survive and pit their wits against it. And on paper, that's what Rust Creek is. Its execution is nowhere near what it should be. This felt like someone did one of those Lifetime movies or Channel 5 movies if you're in the UK, peeps. Um, that's exactly the tone across the board here. This never really gets to a level where I think... Like, the most damage our central character does or has done too hard, is done by herself running away. Um, our injuries are mostly self-inflicted and watching it just kind of made me struggle as to what we were trying to do here. The characters are nowhere near as malevolent as they should be. Uh, her will to survive is nowhere as strong as it should be. And then in the background there's this whole kind of, you know, 
I've looked at the sheriff's in on it. Sorry, that's a spoiler, but don't watch this movie. You know, this idea of there's more happening in the background here with a like a touch of Breaking Bad flung in here just for good measure. Um, it just it really it got more preposterous as it went on to the point where I was like, this is the survivalism horror should be at the most part grounded as real as we can get. It should be grounded in realism. That's what makes it effective. And this movie like just like an artist rendition of something very serious that just turns out to be very once again beige is the word that I come away with Rush Creek has no teeth at all no bite it didn't do what it needed to do it wasn't violent enough it wasn't aggressive enough even even the kind of end result the, the last shot of this movie is a two-fingered salute to the audience because they don't give a fuck I, it was a frustrating watch to this one. I, like, and the longer it went on, this movie is an hour and fifty minutes long, an hour and fifty minutes long, and she is lost for almost an hour and forty of it, and most of it is boring. Yeah, I've said it. Boring nonsense. The cop, the head cop in this one, who's supposed to be the ringleader, so to speak. It's so playful in the way you You know, like, like this in the back. Fuck off. Oh, man. This movie bugged my tits, bugged my happiness. Um, and you know what? I'm going to retrospectively change my grade right now because I can do that while I'm chatting. I re- retrospectively change my grade on this one. Fuck them. Uh, Rush Creek gets one and a half. <laughs> oh, one and a half out of five. Um, because just from talking about it here, I've, I've, I've decided I hate it more than I did before. I had two, it's now got one and a half. Um, my letterbox review is playing out like a lifetime movie, didn't help its cause at all with me. Acting is mediocre, script was awful, and the story was cliched box ticking exercises in survival horror. The only horrific thing about this movie is the almost two hour runtime. Yeah, I stand by that. And of course, corrected my grade because of it. So there we go. Yeah, I feel better now. I feel better. I feel like I got that off my chest, and that makes me feel better. Like I, I, you need to every now and again question why you do things the way you do them, and there we are. I've just hit save on it, so it's now at one and a half. And you know what? No regrets. Absolutely zero regrets. So as you can imagine, things were getting glum and down at this point, and then I reached out and cried out for help. Please, someone give me an awesome fucking movie to renew my faith in what I'm doing. And ladies and gentlemen, it came out uh, in the form of Laplace's Demon. You're going to hear the trailer for that right now when we come back. We're discussing it right after this. Noi marinai lo chiamiamo l'artiglio. È un'isola. Quello è un luogo che mette i brividi. Buonasera e benvenuti a tutti. Sono il professor Cornelius. Al momento non sono in casa, perché così prevede l'esperimento per il quale vi ho invitato. E questo cos'è? È l'esatta riproduzione di questa villa. E quindi? Ci sono otto pedoni nel modellino. E noi siamo in otto. Guardate il suo pedone. Si muove in tempo reale. Chiunque stia manovrando i pedoni sicuramente ci sta guardando. E invece, tutti i movimenti sono già previsti nel meccanismo. Noi, 
qui siamo delle cavie. Questo non è un esperimento, è una trappola mortale. Ti sei mai chiesto perché il pedone muove solo in avanti? Otto pedoni affrontano una regina. Il meccanismo sembra bloccato. Il tuo piano l'ha mandato in stallo. Forse vuol farci credere di essere in stallo. È tutta una forza questa! State facendo un esperimento su di me! Gioca con noi, come il gatto col topo. Aprite per l'amor del cielo! Sta venendo qui presto! Una macchina programmata per colpire in un determinato luogo, in un determinato momento. Okay, you just heard the trailer for Laplace's Demon, uh, which is a kind of horror sci-fi movie uh, from Italy. And it is available just now on Amazon Prime in the UK. It's directed by Giordana Golivi, I think is how you pronounce it, based on lots of different writers and they're all Italian and I will struggle. Um, To be honest, everyone, this is the thing that we need to know about this, everyone who starred in this movie um, either took a part in writing this movie, editing this movie, or scoring this movie. So it is a very small team that were working on a minuscule budget of next to fucking nothing. And um, yeah, brought together this little project. So our cast is Alessandro Zoffarelli, Simone Verelli, Walter Smorti, uh, Simone Moscotto, uh, Carlotta Mazzucci, Duccio Giovanni. Uh, Fernando de Bernano, I think is how you pronounce that, and uh, Silvano Bertolini. Um, yeah, I butchered all those names. Apologies. Uh, m- my mother tongue is not Italian, and yeah, that's never going to change. Um, the synopsis for the Laplace Demon is. A team of researchers have developed a system to calculate seemingly random events. A mysterious professor invites them to his remote house on a rock in the middle of the ocean. All they have to do is survive the night. So this one is in black and white. It is a massive love letter to 60s Italian kind of gothic horror cinema. Even though it's not set in that time period, it's set in such a way that we have laptops, VCRs, um, and a lot of modern appliances, but the the way it's kind of shot is almost shot out of time. It's traditional in the way that like early sixties bava is traditional, and a lot of the way the lighting is handled in this movie, kind of soft focus at times, lighting about the eyes, dark shade, mostly used for it. I think most of it's shot against a green screen as well, and there's a lot of kind of. A lot of computer generated work here, specifically as pertains to the model house in there. It centers on the. This is a, a bit of a philosophy physics, I believe, Laplace's demon, which hypothesizes this idea that um, if you can crack the code or equation, you can dictate or predict what will happen to anyone or anything at any given time. It's almost like the... If you've ever watched something like uh, Donnie Darko, and in Donnie Darko they try and explain this idea of um, 
the, the, these kind of time wormholes that come out of people that are just predicting what people will do and where they will go. Um, that's kind of Laplace's demon. Uh, Laplace's demon is not the theory, well, it's the theory that we have come to call it, uh, but Laplace hypothesized this idea that maybe there was a way to calculate um, the, the preordained fate and destiny of everyone. This would be a scientific calculation, but when you start looking into that, it would mean that not only could that be predicted within our timeline or humans, but inanimate objects over the multiverse, essentially, and it became known as Laplace's Demon. And that's kind of where the movie sits this idea of, it's kind of like the if you stay in the haunted mansion sort of idea, it's just a really clever twist on it. In the case of this one, you have this malevolent Jallo-esque guy, you don't see him, he's wearing a trench coat in the shadows on a videotape, basically telling them that they have to spend a night in his mansion, uh, which is on this abandoned rock in the middle of the ocean. Um, and if they do, then, you know, if they all survive, his theory is you know, his theory will be bust, essentially. But he has predicted the exact line because he's cracked Laplace's demon. He has predicted exactly when everyone will die and where, so much so that everything is preordained and clockwork out to the nth degree. Uh, and that's what you do. You watch the fate of these characters, some are academics, rational minds, and some are a bit more shoot from the hip. Sort of characters try and unravel the mystery before essentially being killed by the the actual demon of the house it's fucking awesome i absolutely adore this movie um it's it's right up my alley it delivers everything that i want this is indie film, cinema filmmaking at its finest taking ideas um of a older time in horror cinema and bringing them to the forefront staying true to where where they could the style and the execution and you can just tell this is a love letter to the genre in the best possible way. I got really involved with this story. And this is one that comes in just under two hours. It's an hour and 45 minutes. And it went in at a quit for me. Really, really, really good. I... I mean, I have a, a central bias towards it. This is a genre of cinema that I, I, I deeply love. So if you can place this out in the way that I... I was hoping it was going to go and people had told me, our buddy Tim Walker out there had told me, Duncan, I think you're going to dig this movie and he couldn't have been any more right. This is this is the, exactly what I hoped it would be from the descriptions I heard and so much more. Um, it is available on Amazon Prime in the UK. Be forewarned if you're not into Italian cinema, reading subtitles um, or kind of older style kind of suspense horror then do not watch Laplace's Demon however if you like any of what I've just mentioned jump into the top of your list and you will not be disappointed I gave it a four and a half out of five uh, on Letterboxd I wrote what a wonderful movie this turned out to be like a warm soapy hand job to 60s Italian cinema with an ultra low budget production this movie really made me applaud what can be achieved with a cool idea and an attention to detail with hints of early Bava and a Jalloesque villain at the centre, the plot weaves into a satisfying method right to the end reveal. Bravo! So four and a half out of five for Laplace's Demon. There we go. Made me happy, brought me back. And then we went to the cinema the following day to check out the new Zombieland movie, Zombieland Double Tap. Here's the trailer.
Scott. Hey, possum <laughs> Sorry, just you in that chair. I think I would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. But do you know what I would like? I don't give a shit what you know. It felt so good to be on the move again. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley! You don't have weed, do you? Do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom! Yeah! I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're gonna go get her. We ride it, dog. Start talking. You first. Well, my name's Tallahassee. Light him up! No! That's my right! Oh, my apologies, little Elvis. Okay, is it me or does, does he kind of remind you of. I don't like you. At all. I think you double parked. <laughs> One more. Perpendicular parked. Hope we don't get a ticket. What is going on here? What? Hello, everyone. Am I hallucinating? So you just have the trailer for Zombieland, Double Tap. Yeah, this one just came out October 18th. It's when I went to see it. So this is movie number 18 on my list, directed by Ruben Fleischer, uh, who directed the first Zombieland, written by Dave Callahan, uh, Rhett Reese, and other folk involved with all that stuff that has made Deadpool very, very successful with writing team behind Deadpool. Uh, the movie stars uh, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, Zoe Deutsch, Avan uh, Jogla, Rosario Dawson, Luke Wilson, Thomas Middleditch, Victoria Hall, Victor Rivera, Ian Gregg, other folks. Um, synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as Columbus, Tallahassee, Wichita, Little Rock move to the American heartland as they face off against evolved zombies, fellow survivors and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. Um, where do we begin with this one? I like the sign might give away that I didn't like it, and that's not true. I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I did laugh quite a bit. But what kept flinging through my mind when watching it was, are we too late for a Zombieland sequel? Has time run out for that? Because this is one that's been in development hell for years, and you makes you wonder why it's been in development hell for years because the central cast here are all either Academy Award winners or nominees that have done huge fucking movies and can command things. And the director has a litany of movies that have been very successful behind them as well. The writing team have went off and created a massive success as well. So it makes me wonder why it took so long to get Zombieland Double Tap made and out there. And that's kind of how I felt when watching it. I mean, it's very funny and very entertaining and it handles things kind of well and it's very meta and self-referential. It understands the genre it's in. understands that the genre that is in has evolved and changed and become very popular in the 10 years since Zombieland came out. And that's kind of 
the positive and the negative against it and that a lot of it felt like well you're just too knowing now and you're you're trying a bit too hard to be funny with it and there's been other horror kind of zombie comedies that have been done in between that you know what makes Zombieland double tap remarkable or makes it stand out and to be honest out with the great cast I don't know if there anything is and this might seem like sacrilege and I imagine that people will lose their fucking mind about this one but Jim Jarmusch did one this year that everyone hated that I kind of loved and I preferred it over this because at least in Jim Jarmusch's one he was trying something different and weirdly had something to say. I think this one is a vehicle for one-liners and it's very good at what it does and it's very entertaining but that's kind of where the substance ends for it. Uh, Zombieland Double Tap for me got a three and a half. Uh, five. The cast are brilliant. Woody Harrelson is excellent. I'll watch him in anything. I love Emma Stone. I think she's great. It's great to see Abigail Breslin really grow up to be a really interesting, fun, quirky actress. And Jesse Eisenberg is playing every single Jesse Eisenberg role you've ever seen before in this movie. So there's that as well. But yeah, overall, I mean, it was a fun one and done for me. I can't imagine that I will ever watch Zombieland Double Tap again. Three and a half out of five. My letterbox review said some people would argue that this is a needless sequel uh, and that time has long since passed where anyone really cared about Zombieland and to be honest they're not wrong at all. That being said it was good um, and I was glad to be back in the world and have laughs that I had. The post credit sequence is maybe one of the best post credit sequences I've seen in a long time and I stick with that and I'll give no spoilers away but if you are going to see it at the cinema stick around for that post credit because it is fucking hella worth it and then some. So there we go, Zombieland double tap, not floating my boat. I'll tell you what did float my boat, this little one hour movie called The Headhunter, and here is the trailer. I always thought I could protect her. What took her from me is still out there. You've just heard the trailer for The Headhunter. It came out this year uh, in April and it's directed by Jordan Downey uh, based on the screenplay by Kevin Stewart and Jordan Downey. A very sparse cast here. We have Christopher Reich, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Cora Kaufman. 
Um, synopsis for this one, brief, but let's just get into it. A medieval warrior's gruesome collection of heads is missing only one. The monster that killed his daughter years ago. I loved this movie. It's just over an hour long. It's like about an hour and ten minutes long. And it's got a really interesting aesthetic. Weirdly enough, and I've seen other people comment on this and I kind of have to lean in with them. This is like a Skyrim mission committed to live action in the best possible way. It's creepy and dark at moments. There are proper moments of real tension and moments of kind of heartache as well. Specifically about the flashbacks to this father losing his daughter to this creature. Um, we follow through this. It's, it's for all intents and purposes, this is Moby Dick, but set in medieval times with a knight and a creature. Um, and we follow them through uh, and ended in a surprising way. There isn't much more I can say about this. Cinematography is beautiful. Acting is fucking great. Practical effects are out of this world. Story is long enough to tell the story without overstaying its welcome. It's a fascinating premise. A great time period to be set in. And yeah, just really, really well done. This great little self-contained piece of, once again, indie cinema. And it's, it's worth checking out if you haven't. Find a copy of The Headhunter. You will be rewarded. I have nothing else to say because it's a sparse, short movie. Yeah, Headhunter, legit, the real deal. I gave it a four and a half out of five. My letterbox review said bleak, dark, brooding, and made for one of the th- uh, one of its finest budgets. It's hard to argue that the Headhunter isn't a phenomenal achievement in minimalist horror. When someone decided to film one of my many solo quests in Skyrim, this hour-long horror movie is pretty perfect for what it sets out to achieve. And I stick with that, folks. Go and check out The Headhunter. Right to something which is not heady, not dark and not bleak. And holy stupid, let's discuss the drone. You're going to hear the trailer and I'm going to be right back right after this. He's been acting a little funny. Funny how? Moving around unprompted. Ah, it's not supposed to do that. (laughs) Maybe there's something wrong with this. There's more than just a wrong controller, Chris. The drone is controlling itself. Afternoon, investigation services. I know how it sounds. Our drone. It wants to kill us. Wanna throw up? Man, I hate upgrades.
Stop, I'm not in the mood. Did you say something? You've just heard the trailer for The Drone. This is directed by Jordan Rubin, who did Zombievers, which I loved. Uh, the movie itself, great cast here. We have Sam Ad- Adigoki, I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, Edgar Blackman, Anita Berm, John Brotherton, Jen Brown, Christopher Matthew Cook, Alex Esso. Oh dear God, Alex Esso's in this movie. Travis Geske, Harvey B. Jackson, Dominic Jane, Rex Lynn, some other folks in the movie. Synopsis for this one, as preposterous as it is, strap yourself in. A newlywed couple is terrorised by a consumer drone that has become sentient with the consciousness of a deranged serial killer. So it's basically a child's play, but instead of, you know, doing the whole... Um, voodoo magic into a doll this is a series of binary commands which have committed him to a drone a drone which then haunts his ex-girlfriend who is played by Alex Essel who is fucking fine in this movie this is stupid on so many levels such a fucking dumb movie but see when I was talking about the banana splits being a dumb movie which had no fun the drone is full of fun it's ludicrous, it's preposterous, it has some funny practical effects. Some of the humour at times realms in, there's a certain bathroom sequence that I'm not getting into, but there's a certain bathroom sequence which very much evokes the kind of sense of humour at play from Puppet Master The Littlest Reich, and there's a bit of that here and working in a way which I really enjoyed. Uh, the acting is on point, these guys know exactly what sort of movie they're doing, and look like they're having a ball doing it, the direction is fun. The the work on the drone is actually surprisingly well done. So they, they clearly spent a bit of money getting someone who's really good at drone flying for this movie as well. And just when you thought the movie couldn't get any more ridiculous, it did. Uh, even up to its crescending climax, it's it's a it's a very fun, quirky little movie. I think it played at Fright Fest from what our buddy Boz was saying and it got a good reception there and I'm glad because I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was really, really, really good uh, for what it did, which was deliver fun, silly movie stuff. It's instantly consumable. You don't need to really worry about it. You just sit and you work your way through it and the drone does what it needs to. And yeah, I laughed like a silly little boy through most of this one. Uh, I got a shot some boobies as well which made me quite happy uh, male buttocks which I didn't need to see but the movie gave me it anyway and yeah it's, it's a dumb 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 movie and surprisingly I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was gonna I gave this one a 4 it's a really like um, it's an hour and 20 minutes moves in at a zip you will honestly not find a better hour and 20 minutes of fun in your October 31 than watching The Drone so 4 out of 5 my uh, my letterbox uh, review said, fun, fun, and more fun. Very little I can add to that first sentence to be fair. It knows exactly how silly the premise is and doesn't shy away from being exactly what you expect from the poster. One hour and 20 minutes of pure silly nonsense. And I stick by that review. So yeah, there we go. And the drone was movie number 20. Which means we've come to the end of this run of movies for you peeps out there. So there we go. I've got a lot of um, more artistic choices in the back 11 and that episode will be dropping somewhere at the very beginning of November where we will catalogue out 
the final movies from my list. But hopefully you guys have been checking out uh, some movies. Let me know if you've checked out any of the movies that have been on the reviews in here. What did you make of them? Did I get a similar grade to you? Did I get a completely different grade to you? Let me know. It's always great to hear your feedback. Right, I'm going to jump out. Final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 200. Looking at movies number 11 through 20 of my 31 of October. Another uh, 10 movies with highs and lows. Although the highs were really, really good. The lows, unfortunately, were pretty fucking terrible. Fuck you, Russ Creek. Fuck you, Russ Creek. Like I said before the break, the conclusion of this series will land at very early November when I'll be doing movies number 21 through 31 on the list. Some heavy hitters. Uh, that first movie, we're going to discuss Bliss um, on that episode. Bliss blew my tits clean off. Fucking loved it and I can't wait to discuss it with you guys on the show. Right, there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can also check us out at Stitcher, Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify. Visit our website, it's tputzcast.com and you can buy posters and pins and support what we do under the stairs by going to tputzcast.bigcartel.com. You can visit us on Facebook if you want to join the group page, interact with other listeners who are interested in the show and horror movies. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. Alternatively, if you only want to know when the shows are dropping, occasionally check out a live stream like a Thursday Thursday, you do it by going to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. You can interact with myself and the bars on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at tputzcast. See what I did there? Do you see what I did there? You fucking see. I can tell you so. Right, you can also check us out on the Flick Chat app. It's social media for podcasts and listeners alike. Um, our join code is tputzcast. We have about 140 people on that now. You can all listen to the show directly through the app, which is free, by the way, on iOS or Android, but you can then interact with us on a series of managed message board posts dedicated to individual segments, um, individual series, or shows themselves. Um, there is one over there for the 31 of October, so once again, feedback your opinions on the movies that I've covered on this episode directly on that feed. Because the conversation might finish when I hit stop here, but it definitely continues over on the Flick Chat app. So join us here, T Putts Cast. Right, the podcast under the stairs will return to your feeds tomorrow, dear dear listeners, when we drop the first of two planned episodes, Russian Roulette Style, looking at the Wishmaster franchise. The first episode will feature Wishmasters Part 1 and 2 with guests The Witch and Ryan Lewis. That will be dropping into your inbox tomorrow. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.
Oh, Henry!